You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Good morning. We're doing a series this February we've entitled Love God. Uh, Sometimes in February at uh, day three, we focused on relationships like uh, marriage and dating, those kind of relationships. We, We just felt like this year we need to focus on what should be the primary, the main relationship, and that is for us to be in a love relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, we have focused some in the previous Sundays with some practical things, you know, that did deal with marriage and stuff like that. I gave you guys abundant warnings that Valentine's Day was coming up. Uh, So my hands are clean. I tried to let you know. If you forgot it, I'm sure you have found it out by now that you forgot it without me bringing it up again. But we need to have a concern for what our love relationship is to God. He gave us the supreme valentine by sending his son, putting his son on a cross, that through faith in Jesus we can have everlasting life. We can actually be in a love relationship with God. What we've talked about so far is this. we talked about loving God by serving him. In other words, you can communicate to God how much you care, how much you love Him by the way that you serve Him. In a similar way to a spouse communicating love to their spouse by their acts of service, the deeds that they do. We can serve Jesus and by doing so communicate to God that we love Him. We also talked about loving God through intimacy because the Bible lets us clearly know that God is jealous for us. God desires for us to spend intimate time alone with Him. Today our topic is this. We're going to talk about loving God by loving others. Love God by loving others. You understand that we can communicate to God that we love Him in the way that we treat other people and love other people. Not only do we communicate to God how much we love Him by the way we love others, we also communicate to the person we're loving that we care for them. But there are people around us who know that we call out the name of Christ, that know we are supposed to be followers of Christ, and they're also looking for something in our lives maybe that goes a little bit deeper than just coming to church on Sunday. Where they see evidence in our lives, that we love God because we are loving other people. That's what we're going to talk about today. And like I said, I'm going to be a lot uh, briefer than normal. And then uh, there's going to be a little video clip about Passion that we're going to play. And then uh, some of our young adults that had the chance to go to Passion in Atlanta, the issue is going to come up and share with you individually about things they experienced. And I'll be back up to close the service. What I want to give you today is, is three just kind of straightforward, short, brief challenges about loving God through loving others. And on each one of these challenges, I want you to ask yourself, will I 
arise to that challenge? Will I answer that challenge? Am I willing to meet this challenge? Here's challenge number one. We're commanded to love God and love others. And like I said, each time ask yourself, will you answer this challenge? The, the scripture we're looking at here has been our theme passage of scripture, our focal passage of scripture for this series. And I'm not saying a lot about it, but I want to briefly address it right now. Because here's what Jesus said once. Someone came up and asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? And here's what Jesus said. The most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then he goes on and he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Each week when I've read this, kind of in our introduction to the other two messages, I've mentioned to you that there's a little word in these verses that should kind of rock our world a little bit. And if you're not careful, you'd read through these verses and just kind of maybe miss this emphasis. But Jesus tells us here that we're to love God. He commands us. He says the greatest commandment is this, that we're to love God not just with part of our heart, or part of our mind, or part of our soul, or part of our, our strength. Jesus tells us we're to love God with all. And guys, probably if we took a vote on that this morning, and you were in a private way to write down on a ballot whether you think you're doing that or not, I, I doubt if many of us feel like that we're where we should be in this area of loving God that much. So that ought to rock our world just a little bit, that Jesus said to love God with all. But you see the second part that he says here, the one that comes next to it, just maybe what Jesus says here as the second most important commandment, maybe that ought to rock our worlds a little bit too because Jesus says second to it, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Now before you start trying to find a wig way out of this, because a lot of times someone will say, all right, I'm supposed to love the person that lives beside of me in this house beside my house on the left and the right. That's my neighbors. And we'll start trying to find an out out by, you know, trying to say, all right, I don't really, I've just got these two groups of people that I have to really love. The Bible clearly lets us know that your neighbor is anyone that you are close to at any moment in your walk in the world. For instance, I can come right over here beside of Bethany Crump. And right now I'm her neighbor. Right now I'm probably closer to her neighbor than she wants me to be. <laughs> And we actually used to live fairly close together before they you know, built a house and moved. But whoever I'm in proximity to, that, that's a person that I have an opportunity to minister to for Jesus. 
Uh, your neighbor's not just a person who lives on either side of you. Your, your neighbor is whoever you come in contact with. So we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus said that's the second most important thing. And to be honest, if we be completely transparent, we kind of love ourselves a lot, don't we? Don't we do a lot for ourselves? And we be sure, you know, we've got food, we take care of our bodies, take care of our health, you know, all kinds of things like that. We take steps to love ourselves. Regrettably, we get this so screwed up that a lot of times we put ourselves even before God. Instead of us letting God be first, we want to put ourselves into that first place position. But according to this passage of Scripture, I'm to love God first, and then second to it, I'm to love my neighbor as myself. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be concerned about your own life, but Jesus says just as much as you're concerned about your own life, you need to be concerned about the life of your neighbor. So you kind of boil it down to these two statements here. Love God and love others. We're commanded to love God, but we are also commanded to love others. Just a straightforward challenge that we need to decide whether or not we're going to arise to the occasion, whether we're going to answer the challenge. Here's the second challenge. We are to follow the pattern of Jesus in loving others. We're to follow the pattern of Jesus in loving others. Will you answer this challenge? Here's why I say that. Look at this verse, these verses. We know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. A man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. And then I want you to notice this. That's why I underlined it. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. So that's why I'm saying we need to follow the pattern of Jesus. Because if we follow the pattern of Jesus... We'll be loving the Father as we love other people. Think about the pattern of Jesus. I mean, I know he was God in the flesh and knew what everyone needed and everything like that, but, but I mean, it's almost like he had radar out, you know? And he knew where the needs were. And he didn't avoid them. Sometimes he hiked a long ways just to get to where he knew the need was at, to where he could be there at the right time to minister to that person. Jesus took time for somebody that was sick. Jesus took time for somebody that was hurting, somebody that was grieving. Jesus took time for them. And if we're going to say we're in Jesus, we also need to walk as Jesus walked. That means you and I need to be about loving other people also. We need to minister to other people because he did. Man, Jesus was breaking rules in the day and time in which he lived. You know, women were like kind of these substandard secondary citizens or something. Jesus had them on board with his ministry. Jesus was touching, quote, the untouchables of that day and time, like the lepers and things like that. Jesus went to where they were in their hurts, in the disease, and all that they were dealing with, and he touched them, and he helped them. 
So if we're going to walk as Jesus walked, that means there's a call upon our life to love other people like Jesus did. And as we do that, we're going to be expressing our love for God by, by loving others. Look at some other verses that just kind of go to support this thought. As the Father's loved me, so I've loved you, and I remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be complete, or may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. Let me just stop there for a minute. You know what part of the problem is in the church getting people to Jesus in the day and time in which we live, and not just when we live, but all down through the years? We don't even love each other like we ought to. So we give a perverted image to a lost world what it's all about. There's so many schisms and frictions and conflicts and things like that. The lost world looks at the church and thinks, I've got enough problem and conflicts at work or in my family or wherever I'm else out in life. I don't need any more. Jesus tells us we're to love each other. Matter of fact, in another passage, he said, this is how everybody's going to know you're my disciple if you have love for each other. And then he goes on and he says, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Now instantly we read that and we jump to the cross. And I believe that is what Jesus is talking about. But I want you to understand something. You may never be called to go to a cross in order to minister to somebody else, but you can lay your life down, so to speak, in order to minister to someone else. You can set aside your wants and your schedule and your time in order to minister to somebody else. By the way, when when Jesus laid down his life for his friends, yes, he went to the cross, but guess what else he did? He left heaven and he took on the form of a servant and he came into this world. So just maybe that also is communicating what Jesus is saying. He laid his life down in more than one way. Yes, he laid his life down literally on the cross, but in other ways, Jesus set aside his glory and who he was in order to come to this stinking earth and wear our stinking flesh and pay for our stinking sins on the cross. Jesus lay himself down in other ways to go and minister to people who are hurting and in need. And the reason I'm pointing this out and camping out here a little bit is I'm afraid as Christians we get this idea sometimes because it's easy to have this kind of mystical thought that nothing is attached to, to where we say, all right, Jesus laid his life down for us. We ought to lay our lives down for others. I would die for somebody else if I had to. That's pretty easy to say that because you may not ever have to do that. But in realistic, practical ways, we can lay our life down in order to minister to others. In order to love other people. Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because the servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you to go and bear fruit that will last. Maybe a couple of little simple practical things there. Jesus chose us. He didn't wait around just for us to choose him. And you may be sitting back thinking, well, God, if I could find somebody to minister to, I'd do it. And you're waiting for them to come to you. Maybe you need to go to them. And find them. 
and minister to them. Because Jesus shows us. He said, I've appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Now, I want you to notice something. Jump on down, and he says, this is my command, love each other. A moment ago, what did he say? Love each other. That's what he said, and now he says, love each other. In the middle of it, he says, I want you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain. Just maybe that means lasting fruit happens, the kind of fruit that Jesus wants out of our lives, happens when we love other people like he wants us to love other people. Because it's bracketed by him saying, love each other. Look at the next verse. First John, we find these words. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. That little parenthetical statement is mine. I didn't add the scripture. I just wanted to be sure I said it. I already said it a moment ago. If anyone has his material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? He says, little children... Let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. In other words, if we know somebody has need and we have the material possessions to do something about that need, we are under an obligation to love that person the way Jesus wants us to love them, to minister to them. More than just say, go and be fed. We're going to look at that in James in a moment, go and be warm. We're to actually take steps to put our words into action to show people that we love them. Why is it so strategic that the church loves people? Because a lot of times you have to open up a cold, hard heart by loving the person before you ever have the right to share the gospel with them. Before they are ever to that point that you can tell them about Jesus. We need to be willing to do that. We need to be willing to take action. Guys, we're pretty spoiled. I mean, admit it in America. I dare say everyone here this morning could go to a faucet in your house and turn it on and get some water. In some places in the world, people are walking miles and miles and carrying water a long ways, and then it's not even healthy, safe water when they get it and they drink it, and they get sick because of it. That's just one illustration. So we're we're so spoiled, we, we tend to think, well, everybody's got everything they need. No, they don't. And it doesn't just happen overseas. There are people around you every day that in some way are hurting and in need. And we can love that person and by doing so also love God as we love others. So this then is how we know that we belong to the truth. And how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us. See, here's the thing with that. And, and all of us right now, hey, I'm, I'm with you, okay? I'm right where you are. Because this week I have been really convicted that I don't do enough to love others. So right now all of us probably have convicted hearts a little bit. Amen? Just a little bit. We're not doing it quite as good as we ought to do it. He tells us one reason for us loving others and taking action and steps and deeds to communicate our love for others and our love for God is that when we do that, it reassures our hearts that we really have a relationship with God. And if our hearts is condemning us, guess what? God knows everything and he really knows what we're doing and what we're not doing to love others. So when we're at peace before him is doing all we can to love other people. And by doing so, love God. Look at the next verse. 
What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? A lot of people make it sound like, well, James is off in legalism. No, James is saying that authentic faith is carried through by serving Jesus. He's saying, can that type of faith save him? In other words, the kind of faith that says, well, I know I'm going to heaven, so I'm going to sit down and do nothing until I go to heaven. Guys, honestly, I think there's a little bit more to our Christian walk in serving Jesus than going on Sunday morning, looking for our Bible, finding it, putting it under our arm, coming to church, singing a few songs, looking in the Bible, maybe you're on the screen while the pastor talks, and then going back home and putting the Bible back down and you don't pick it back up to next Sunday. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind when he called us to follow him. We need to be loving God by loving others. He says, suppose the brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? We're bad to do that sometimes, even as churches. I, I, I wish to God we had such a large benevolence amount in in our budget that we could authentically meet every need that we're confronted with that is a real need. Because for us just to say, well, you're cold, go be warm. You're hungry, go be filled. And not do anything to help meet that need. Misses, I think, the mission of loving others and loving God. He said in the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Look at one more passage and then I'm going to come to my last challenge and then we'll, we'll close. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he's seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I don't think I need to comment on that. Third challenge. Challenge number one was this. We need to love God and love others because we're commanded to. Challenge number two was that we need to follow the pattern of Jesus. We need to walk as he walked and Jesus walked in love and ministered to other people. Challenge number three is this. By loving others, we also love Jesus. Will you answer this challenge? Look at this passage of Scripture. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the king will say to them, Who's he talking about? The Son of Man. He's talking about Jesus. The King, Jesus. will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous 
will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Notice what Jesus says. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they'll go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And that's kind of serious, isn't it? Two groups divided out. Looked like both of them thought they had a relationship with the Lord by the way they were talking to him. And he said, look, you never did anything. You never ministered. You never loved anybody. You never did anything for me. You know what will revolutionize the way you look at people in your relationships? And people you don't even know that you just maybe think you haphazardly bump into. And it might not be haphazardly at all. It might be an appointment for God. You know what will change the way you look at your day-to-day life? If you will view opportunities that come your way to minister to somebody else as though... It is an opportunity to do something directly for the Jesus Christ who died on the cross for your sins. I remember years ago, just after being called in the ministry and reading this passage of Scripture and being flooded with that thought. A week or so after that, a guy comes up at a service station back in, I think it's. Jessica and Bethany at the time, Jared hadn't been born. I was pumping gas, and a guy comes up, and he wants some money. Just ask for $5. And I started thinking to myself, you know, kind of by looking at you and some odors I'm getting, I don't think you're going to use the $5 the right way. But even though I had that hesitation, I could not help but in that moment to give him the $5. Because in that moment, he was Jesus to me. And if you'll change the way you look at everybody you come in contact with, as being whether you do it or do it not, it's as though you did it or did it not to Jesus. Change the focus of your life. Watch this video.
Good morning. My name is Mindy. Um, I had the privilege of leading these guys to passion, which was really awesome. And um, just to kind of be the person who's gone before and then taking another group back the um, following year and uh, being able to do it with these guys was really cool. Um, I didn't prepare them for what they were about to experience a passion. Um, and I think that they were upset with me about that. Um, but excited too, because it's just so much. Um, but I want to kind of share with you guys a little bit, um, about kind of what guy, what God opened up my eyes to see. Um, I know for, you don't think about leaders being able to kind of get something out of it too, but most definitely for me, it was that way. So, um, over a year, a year or so ago, I moved back home um, and uh, went to Passion for the first time back in 2010 and uh, was awakened to what it's like to love God. And, um, and then this year, going back, um, I learned what it's like to love others. And um, I've always been curious, in see- and not curious, I guess I've been seeking out what God's will is for my life. And I know that everybody in this room can say that they do the same and um, just kind of praying and just really seeking that out so when I went to passion um, all these things that God had kind of just kind of kind of been sharing with me and showing me kind of came to like a like to a head of stuff I don't know it was just crazy it just came all together and I was like oh my gosh like this is just crazy but I discovered what the will of God is for not only my life, but for all of us. And I think I focus a lot on, okay, God, where do you want me to live? What kind of job do you want me to have? Um, what kind of ministry would you like me to be a part of? Because that, as Christians, we kind of want, we've put that as what God's will is, serving a church and all this stuff, but we kind of miss out on the why we do all of that. And for a long time, I thought, well, it's the why I do it is because I love God, Right. But um, there's a missing link um, in that, um, a greater picture than that. And um, I want you guys to take a few minutes and kind of close your eyes. I'm going to do a little exercise, a little different from first service. Um, Okay, so imagine that you're in a hospital, okay? And um, fill those rooms up with the people that you love, coworkers that don't know Jesus, Okay. And um, they're all laying in the bed, you know, that they have just a little bit of time left in them. And uh, they don't know the Lord. And you're staying there with them or in one of the rooms. And you know that that person's about to go. What are you thinking? What do you want to do? Are you standing there pleading with them, begging for them to, you know, come to Lord, know the Lord? What are you wanting to say to them? Are you wanting them to spend eternity in hell? Or do you want them to spend eternity in heaven? And, um, and you're, the whole hospital's filled. You're the only person there. So you've got all these friends, these family members, co-workers that are lost. And you only have a few seconds. You've got to get to them as quick as possible. So you're running from each room to each room to each room. So what are you going to do? Okay, open up your eyes. Um, that's the will of God. It's found in Matthew 28, 19. Where he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them my ways as I have taught you, and, for, and therefore I will be with you always till the end of age. That is our will for our lives. Okay? Take a deep breath in. Let out. That's why God keeps us here.
Each, each breath that he gives us, each moment that he gives us to live here on earth is to fulfill that will. And that will pertains loving others. And I think to myself of all the people that I love, my friends, my family, my coworkers, I love them. I love them. I want them to know that they're spending eternity in heaven. And it's up to us to fulfill that will of God in however we do it. So the where am I going to live, the what job am I going to do, the ministry that I'm going to, the whole foundation of that is found in Matthew 28, 19. We are called, we are, God chose us to be a part of his kingdom through his grace and his mercy to then there go for and go out and make disciples of all the nations. And um, that hit me so hard at Passion. It was like, oh my gosh, Francis Chan talks about that in his message about just loving others. And um, if we truly love them, we, want, we would want to share with them the best gift that we've ever received in our lives. And that has really changed me. I go into my, I have two jobs, one little part-time, one full-time. Um, and the, when I stand there in front of my coworkers, because I'm surrounded at both jobs with a lot of people that are lost, my heart breaks for them. And I use every opportunity to spread the name of Jesus to them and to love on them. And the opportunity that God has given me to do that is pretty cool. And um, in order to love others, we need to love God. In order to love God, we need to be praying that God fills us with his love. And we need to be seeking him out daily. And I know for me, it was like, well, how do I love all these people? You know, like, I struggle with that. Or how do I love God? And um, God, it's just the simplest prayer. Just asking him to. God, help me to love you more. Help me to love others around me. Help me to fulfill your will, however that is. And God will equip you with everything good to fulfill that for you. So um, I encourage you guys to consider that in everything that you do and the people you come in contact with. That's your will. That's why you keep breathing every single day. It's simple as that. And I think we put too much on it as a place or, you know, or a thing we do. Those are just avenues to fulfill that purpose that God gives us with, the talents that we're given. So I encourage you guys just to really keep that in mind. And I pray that you guys will just open your hearts to that and just really live totally different than you ever have before. Um, and uh, the rest of the group is going to get up and share what God's done in their lives through passion. And um, I hope you enjoy. Okay, well, um, I've been raised in church, and um, my dad kind of warned me before I went because I've been to a ton of youth camps, but he was like, okay, you need to brace yourself because this is on steroids, and I was like, okay, but I didn't really believe him. Well, like Mindy said, she didn't prepare us, so when I got there, I was like, what in the world? And the lights went out, and we were up in those bleeds because we got there kind of late, and all of a sudden, Chris Tomlin started singing, Our God, and... I just looked at Mindy, and I started crying, <laughs> and it got really emotional, but um, at Passion, um, I realized that I struggled the most with taking advantage of God, and like, knowing that he has so many chances, he gives us so many chances, time and time again, you know, to make things right, and, and even though we see and he continues to forgive us, but I was thinking, you know, um, I shouldn't have to take advantage of him because I should live my life for him every day. And um, if I'm fully committed and devoted to him, then he will bless my life. And so there's no need to take advantage of him. But um, at Passion, I formed relationships with these guys like none other that I've ever made. And um, the accountability I have with these people now is so strong. And I thank God for them.
I'm going to read some scriptures so I'll stop crying. Okay. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that if we live and he is if we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. And if one acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and in him, God will be in this way. God love in this way. Love is made complete among us so that we, have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him there is no fear in love but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love and that's first john 4 12 through 18 good morning <clears throat> excuse me my name is andy um i guess if i had to write uh if i had to write an essay on passion I would probably, the title would probably be Disturbed. Um, passion for me, excuse me, I'm not used to t- talking into a microphone. Um, passion for me started up here in the parking lot. Um, Daryl said a prayer, and in his prayer, he said, please let this group of people be disturbed. So here I am jumping into a van. I'm sitting in the back, and the whole time I'm getting there is, well, I don't want to be Disturbed? Disturbed? Who wants to be disturbed? So when we get there, it's very overwhelming when you first get there. I've been to a lot of country concerts, rock concerts, but I'll by far say this was the most fun. I grew up in a Catholic church where we did a lot of Catholic aerobics. Up, down, kneel, sit down, up, down, kneel. So for me, everybody was standing up, hands in the air, and that's the way you stayed. There was no sitting down. It was crazy. Everybody was praising God, and it was phenomenal. Also, one of the things that I got out of this is I know a lot of adults talk about this generation coming up, and, oh, well, they they wear solid black, black fingernail polish, you know, and a lot of times you don't give these kids a chance. But I saw a lot of that at Passion, and this generation growing up is very strong. It's strong. And the people, the leaders of passion kept saying, man, this is phenomenal. Yeah, these kids are amazing. So that really changed my perspective on, I don't like to judge people, but sometimes you'll see someone, you're like, what in the world is he thinking? Well, I mean, there was a lot of that there, but, you know, we had, uh, there was times where they would stop and say, okay, get three people, be in a group, and you may be in a group with one of those people. And they're praying just like you are. So that was a real wide eye-opener for me. Um, The speaker's perspectives, I mean, they kind of flip it. I know Lynn does a great job of of speaking, but it's always good to kind of hear other people. And ultimately, they're talking about the same thing. There was something called Do Something Now. And I think they should change the title to You Need to Do Something Now. Because you have all these, we walk in it, that's when I really got disturbed. I mean, people don't have drinking water. There's sex trafficking everywhere. Um, we did a couple things. A couple of the things, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to boast here. I just want to give you what we did. I have two little girls. One likes people. One likes animals. So they're just different. 
So in honor of the my little girl that's not crazy about people, we bought a chicken for a family so a chicken could eat. Uh, the other one loves people, so we bought a mosquito net in honor of her. Well, the last thing we did was build houses for Haiti. And that's, you know, you go through and there's all these things on the wall and there's people's pictures and they give kind of a rundown of who they are and you're just, I mean, you're, you're taken back. Um, so Callie and I, we... We did one of those homes where we come back the next day or the following day, whichever one it was, and you get to nail this little, this little uh, piece of wood. You nail it up on this big board. Well, we come back the next day, and I was like, I wanted to take a picture of it because, you know, I'm proud to do it. And um, so we go to take a picture, and it's all gone, or there's, it's not there. So I'm sitting here going, I'm a little ticked because I put my thing up on the, on the uh, board. I was proud. Well... We come to find out all the boards have were completely filled. So everybody got their home that was on that board, and they just started all over again. So we had about 22,000 kids, screaming kids, and, you know, out of those 22,000, I don't want to take anybody else's story. I can ramble. But out of those 22,000, we raised a lot more money. Uh, I think our goal was like $500,000, and I think we raised something like one point eight out of 22,000 kids. So the, the do something now was just so special. And that was how I was disturbed because a lot of times you get caught up in work, you get caught up in family and that's all you do. Well, it's, I learned that it's not about me. It's not about my family. It's about him. And through him, you know, we can help others. So thank you. Good morning. My name is Callie, and I am his wife. And um, <clears throat> there were two reasons why I went to Passion Conference. Um, one was for self-growth, because if any of y'all have ever um, been, a, been able to go to any kind of conference of any kind, it is life-changing. And I am so busy, and although I try every day to spend time with the Lord, whether I get 15 minutes in or an hour with Him... Um, is such a blessing, but to spend four days just in God's word with no distraction. I mean, although there's 20 some thousand people there, you feel like it's just you and God. And I just grew tremendously in that time. So I was very thankful and, um, that I got to go. But the second and most important reason why I want to talk to y'all this morning about is because, um, I really wanted to connect with other people in this church and, um, it has been such a blessing. I used to walk through the door and, you know, you know how it is. You come in, you grab your seat, you sit down, and you really don't talk to many people most of the time. We're all guilty of this, and you get up and leave, just like Pastor Lynn was saying. So if I caught somebody's eye, I'd smile at them or say good morning, but the conversation stopped there. A conversation didn't even begin. But I wanted to know these guys. I wanted to know, you know, what are they struggling with? I have such a passion for young people going through high school and in their young tw- their early 20s because it is, um, you are faced with so many challenges during those years. And you could so easily take that wrong path and go down that wrong road. And we all know when you go down that wrong road, it takes 10 million more steps to get back to the right one. So I just really wanted to know their hearts. What can I pray for them about? Who are they? You know, what do they struggle with? And um, 
So I was just really excited about that. And now when I walk in, I love to hug them and say, how you doing? Um, what's going on? But anyway, um, developing relationships is so important. And when I was first saved, I grew up in a church that the Bible was not be into me. So when I was saved and became a Christian, I didn't know anything about God or anything about the Bible. And I didn't even know where to start. And God showed me that I was not meant to stand alone. I was meant to be within the body of Christ. We're not meant to be by ourselves. We're meant to be with each other and to lift each other up, to teach each other, to encourage each other. And um, anybody that comes to me and says, well, Callie, I just don't feel like I know anything. Or I just, I'm like, well, get with somebody, pray with somebody, ask God to send you a mentor. Don't be afraid. People are so glad to spend their time with you, teaching you. And, um, So anyway, and I I have always had a mentor, and I don't know what I would do without it. It's been different ladies throughout the years. I've been a part of different Bible studies and groups, and some mornings I don't want to get up and go to Bible study. I don't want to go meet with that person. There's laundry to do or dishes in the sink or whatever, but I go, and I'm blessed by it. And God did not meant for us to stand alone. So um, I just really encourage you this morning to invest in people. Don't just walk in here and walk out. Um, one of the reasons why Andy and I go to this church is because when people say, well, why do you go to day three? I say, because it's just simple people who love the Lord. And although we love God, we've got to give back to other people. And, um, so invest in others' lives so you'll grow. Ask God to put people in your life that you can mentor to, teach them something, and that also they can teach you, and you can sit at their feet and learn. Because sometimes when I read the Bible by myself, I don't always get everything out of it. But when I ask somebody, I just did not quite understand this, or what do you think about this? It all opens up for me, and I'm so thankful for that. So invest um, in other people and allow other people to invest in you. Um, let's see here. Just lost my chain of thought. But anyway, I was just really happy. So now I walk into church. I know these young people. Um, on the last night, we had a little community group time in our hotel room, and it was the sweetest time of the whole event. We were all very full of um, God's word and just very overcome with emotion. But Mindy asked us a question. She said, what is keeping all of y'all from growing cro- closer in your relationship with the Lord? And we all sat there very silent. Some were laying on the bed, some on the floor. We were all sprawled out with our Bibles. And it was the sweetest moment because we went around the room and one at a time we began opening up our lives for each other and sharing. And it was so special to know what my fellow believers in Christ are struggling with, what I need to pray for them for. And although they might not know this, I pray for them all the time now. I'm like, Lord, help Brooke with this, you know, help Philip with that, you know, and just pray that God continues to lead them. So... Um, I just want to share that with y'all this morning that if you don't have a mentor or you're not investing in somebody, do that. It doesn't matter how much you know or you don't know. We are all at different places in our relationship with God for a reason, and he knows that. But the most important thing to him is that we're in his word and we're growing in him. And if we're taking those steps, that's all that matters. So um, I just encourage each of one of you today to do that. And um, I just want to say thank you. This church is so great whenever there's a the round table out there and somebody's needing money or a fundraiser, everybody goes upstairs for a plate of spaghetti or chicken or chili, whatever. And we could not have paid for this on our own. It was very, very expensive to go. And we still have another fundraiser coming up, but I just really appreciate all of y'all for coming upstairs, grabbing a plate of food and um, helping us all get there because um, the Lord did great things with us that week. So um, thank you very much.
Hi everyone, my name is Brooke Parker, for those that don't know me. I'm going to begin with uh, our age, 20s. This, this age is a really hard age, I really believe. Um, struggling with acceptance, you know, being in college and witnessing to people, finding out people that you truly need in your life. You have your friends that are there that you want to hang out with and go out with, but the people that really that you really need and can help you in your journey with God. So before passion, um, I was kind of at a standstill in my relationship with God. I felt like it was just a habit of going to church, and, you know, I wanted to be there by my mom's side to go to church with her, and I was just, I was just going to go, and, and that was really upsetting to me, and I didn't want it to be like that, but I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. So I was so ready for passion. I was so ready for a change. I just wanted something to change. I wanted something just different. Um, So it started with just preparing my mind, preparing my heart for God, and not knowing what to expect from passion. And as Mindy said, uh, there's no amount of preparing I could have done. And when I got there, I realized that, and when you see all these young adults and you see all these people so passionate about God, it just makes you want to strive for that even harder. So I def- I wasn't prepared for passion. So when I got there, I just had to, to pray, to open my mind and to open my heart, to just let God come in for these few days and just be all about him. Um, so there was... 22,000 people there, like you said, and to feel like you were the only one there in that room with God, it's the most amazing feeling to open your eyes and see all these people, yet you feel like you are the only one there. Um, Passion, most of all for me, was, I think, a slap in the face, especially for with all these speakers and what they had to say. I mean, they, they didn't lightly tap you on the shoulder and say, this is how you should live, or it was, this is what you need to be doing, and you need to adjust and take a look, step back and look at your life and see if you are leading others and if you are living your life the way God has planned for you. So as I was doing the bare minimum before passion and just going through the motions, um, it changed greatly as soon as I walked through these doors. Um... Francis Chan said in Philippians 1.27, it's a matter of life to be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And that just made me think, is my life in, in school, when I'm walking to class, when I'm hanging out with friends, when I'm going to lunch with my friends, are they seeing the gospel of Christ in me? Or, and I knew that that wasn't happening, and that's where I needed to make that adjustment. So... Um, there were so many amazing speakers. The music was amazing. Um, Chris Tomlin, David Crowder Band, everybody. It just There was so much passion in the room. And more than anything, what uh, Louie, the man over passion, had said is, we don't want you to go out and talk about these amazing speakers and this amazing music. You know, it was Jesus that was amazing. He was there speaking through these disciples through Christ he was there in the time of worship 
You could see it in everybody's eyes. He was there. It wasn't them. It was Jesus. So, so since Passion, I've, I've just grown my relationship. I have such a deeper love for Christ. I crave him. I crave that time with him. And um, I've recently started attending a Bible study start, uh, called Soul Shaping. And basically just working on preparing my soul as a follower of Jesus Christ and being in tune with him and his timing being able to sit back and just just wait on that timing because so many times I'm impatient. I want things to happen, and I want I want to see these things progress in my life because I'm 20 years old, and, and this is supposed to happen, and then this is supposed to happen next. But no, it's not because that's not God's will, and it's not it's not my timing. So uh, basically taking taking the word and taking all these situations that happened to me, whether it be positive or negative, and just and just letting that strengthen my relationship, and letting every situation be a leeway into something else that's supposed to be happening. So um, my stronger love for God and just this passion that I've had since Passion, which is a great title for Passion. Um, um, I just feel the need to help people and make a difference, especially around here and in this community. There's so many people right here that we can help. You know, we're, we were helping raise money for wells and for food and for houses across the world. And, yeah, that's awesome. It was amazing to see that. But here, there are so many people that need to be helped. There's so much we can do right here. And that is something that's just been laying on my heart, and I want to... I want to start helping people and showing that through God and through me. So I encourage every, all the young adults here. Um, this is just something amazing. I think that everybody should have the opportunity to do, no matter what, where you're at in your journey, whether you're just beginning or you, you know you have a deep passion for God. But this is just passion was just an amazing experience, and I would love every young adult here to be able to to go and experience that. My name is Macy Knight. I'm nervous. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it might be morning sickness too. I don't know. I just, whew. okay. Um, I definitely was grateful for the opportunity to go to Passion. Um, I do have to admit though, Going into it, I was very excited about all the speakers. Um, they mentioned a few, like Francis Chan was there, um, David Platt, John Piper, um, all the bands that were going to be there. Um, so really, I was hyped about seeing them. Um, but kind of like what Brooke said coming away from it, it's just, it blew me away. I mean, the focus was totally on Christ and on Jesus. And I just love that about it. I mean, it was like all those speakers, you know, they are great and they've written great books and I do love listening to them. And, um, but at the same time, like they were so hidden in Christ and Christ just shined through them. Um, so that was really, really awesome. Um, and I was, thinking about what I wanted to share and about love God and love others, which definitely was the theme of passion. I feel like, um, definitely the name of Christ and just reaching out and loving people. Um, 
And I thought about this verse. I like to put verses up around my house on little index cards. And I woke up at 4.30 this morning thinking about this verse um, that I have in front of my kitchen sink. Which is kind of funny that I thought about it because since I've been pregnant and very sick, I avoid the kitchen at all cost. But (laughs) it makes me nauseous. But for some reason this morning I was thinking about this verse that's above the kitchen sink. And I can't tell you the last time I washed dishes. (laughs) So... Um, the verse is from Colossians and it says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the father through him. And I just thought about that with passion because I walked away from there thinking about based on Louis Giglio, who is kind of the guy that heads up passion. He spoke, um, the last session and he kind of left us, um, talking about what name are you going to carry? when you leave this place. Um, and I wish that we could play it. Um, but it, we do have the CD for it. If you ever, well, I'm volunteering Callie CDs, but if you ever want to listen to any of the messages, Callie has them all and they're really great. Um, but, um, he, anyway, he did this long list of all these names and he talked about like celebrities names and athletes names and clothing names, like all these names that we carry, Um, because society and media, I mean, it's just bombards us and it's all around us. And so we carry all these names. Um, but his question and challenge for us was, you know, what about the name of Jesus, the name above all names? Sorry. (laughs) Thanks, Matt. Um, so I just walked away and I just, I wanted my life to be different. (laughs) And I wanted to carry the name of Jesus. That was just really the cry of my heart. Um, And I thought about what that looks like in relationship to this verse. And um, I'm a stay-at-home mom, so I don't always get out of the house a whole lot or see a lot of people. But I have a little girl, and it can... Sorry. And it's like God just spoke to me and told me that's where it starts starts in the home carrying his name starts with your children and your husband and the things that you do and you say it all begins with how you respond to your children how you respond to your husband um and then of course you know it carries out from there um so that's just kind of the prayer that I have that I would carry the name of Jesus and carry it well um And then I thought about my niece. I wanted to share this. If I can stop crying, I'm so sorry. Um, I thought about little Atlee, who um, she is just the picture that was kind of painted in my mind when I was thinking about this this morning and thinking about Louie's list of all these names that we carry. And um, there was a little girl the other day who we were um, out and about and uh, Atlee knew her and she was talking about Justin Bieber and Atlee has no clue who Justin Bieber is. I mean, she's four years old and I was just thinking, you know, Atlee doesn't know him. She doesn't know Hannah Montana. She doesn't know what Jeggins are. She doesn't know, you know, all these, these names. Like she just, she doesn't know them. Like there's just such innocence in her, but she knows the name of Jesus. And I feel like my sister and brother-in-law have done a great job of putting that in her at such a young age. And when she sings, 
she sings about Jesus. Every song she sings. I don't know why God just put that on my heart, but that just really spoke to me. So I guess what I'm just trying to say is the greatest thing I got from that is we have to be careful about the names that we carry. And um, I just walked away wanting to carry the name of Jesus. I hope everybody is doing well today. Um, I woke up this morning and wasn't, <laughs> so I wasn't able to make it for the first service. This um, journey that I've been on, my life, it's been an incredible journey. Um, there have been many times where um, I have failed miserably <clears throat> and have the scars to show it, physically and um, unphysically, mentally, I guess you would say, but... Um, my family should get the most credit um, second to Christ for this because my father and my mother have brought me up in an amazing home. Um, and I praise God for that. I've seen many of my friends who um, were not brought up in the same way that I was and who have taken totally different paths. So I want to first and foremost thank them for this um, right now. Um, what I got from this the most was <clears throat> David Platt spoke, um, and me and Matt went over to one of his se- one of his sessions, and the verse that rang true in my mind was Luke fourteen twenty six, and it's a it's a rough passage to grasp, and I say that all this stuff about my family to point this out. <clears throat> I know Pastor Lynn has talked about love, um, but Luke fourteen twenty six says, um, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And for myself, um, it, many times it's easy to say, okay, you know, I think I could hate myself. I think I could put myself to the side and follow you, Christ. But to hate my father and my mother, that's totally different. But the way that Platt presented it was that Jesus wants us to love him. And we're talking about love here. Jesus wants us to love him so much that it seems like hate to all the others. And, and, and to prove my point, you know, I'm not saying that Jesus is telling you to hate your mother and your father. and I'm not saying that at all because in Matthew, you know, he talks about in Matthew 15, 4, God said, honor your father and your mother. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. <laughs> so, uh, and a lot of times people will say, you know, that's just the Bible contradicting itself. And it's not. It's It's coming together beautifully. Christ has said... Love me first. Put God first. And then put your family first. And then put others first. And that's what I got out of it. If I had to, if I had to say it, that one verse, that would have been it. Luke fourteen twenty six. And I don't want to take up your guys' time. Um, I know we're running a little bit <clears throat> late on the schedule. But um, I just want to say that what I got out of this was incredible. This journey, this trip was incredible. Um, Passion 2011 was absolutely amazing. If any one of you guys, young or old, whatever, can go next year, I would 
strongly encourage you to go because it is an amazing, amazing um, conference. Um, but David Platt, to me, was the one who spoke to me the most because um, there are many times when I, when I put myself first and I put others before God. Um, and I have, I have Travis and Kurt and Reggie, who we've come together in an accountability group, and we meet twice a week, and God has blessed all of us through that so much. And um, it's not enough just to come to church and sit down like, like Pastor Lynn was saying. It's not enough. And um, those guys helped me see that. And those guys, you know, because many times I know, <clears throat> especially here in the Bible Belt, we say, oh, well, you know, I can, I can praise God. Um, you know, my big thing was racing motorcycles. You know, I can praise God racing motorcycles. I can praise God um, hunting, fishing, whatever it is. But many times if you don't have those strong believers around you encouraging you and showing you in God's word um, how to live your life, it, it's a struggle. And it's, it's, it's a hard enough struggle enough already. So, um, But, yeah, that's what I got out of it. And I really appreciate you guys listening. Hi, everybody. I'm Matthew McCroskey. Uh, I know some of you. And uh, we only had like half of us up here the first service. Uh, so we're already over our time limit. So I'm going to try and sum it up, what passion meant to me. And to do that, I have to let you know that just not even six months ago, um, I was a miserable soul uh, on a crazy path that led to nowhere but destruction. And because of the love that Jesus Christ had for me, I'm now the richest being in the universe. So um, in, in, in saying that, it's not really just uh, an analogy or anything like that. It's the truth. Um, there's a far greater picture than what we see and feel here in front of us. Uh, there, there's, there's, a, there's an eternal life that's going to come after this short life here on earth that it's what it's all about. And... Uh, I learned, uh, see, after I dedicated my life to Christ just six months ago, I, I was filled full of this energy. I was filled full of life, you know, because I was dying. And uh, a lot of people say, I'd like to have his energy, or, or what's he so happy about? Or some people, they may even see me in a parking lot and want to run over me because I'm so happy all the time. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, but what it is is I can't contain the miracle that Jesus Christ worked in my life. And, you know, what he brought me from, what he, what, what he turned me into, what he made me. And it's all just being willing to allow him to do that. And uh, he, what I learned from passion is that there's no reward that any man can give me or that I can get here on this earth. No kind of success, money, nothing that compares to the spiritual reward that I receive when I do the will of God. When I help others, uh, when, when I'm obedient to God by serving others, by loving people, that, that's, that's bringing yourself down. You know, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And at that time, at that time period, it was in a dry, desolate land, hot all the time, and people did not wear shoes, and sometimes they wore sandals. And one of the lowest people in society was the people that stayed in people's homes. And when somebody would come in from a long journey, walking barefooted, this person would wash their feet. So they would be okay to sit at the dinner table, because you can imagine what the feet smelled like. Well, Jesus did this as a display of what he likes us to do, and that is to be servants because we have a treasure 
already. Once he has saved us, we've made him Lord of life, we got the greatest treasure in the universe. Nothing here can compare to that. So Jesus made himself a humble servant, washing others' feet. And, you know, that's kind of what we have to do. We have to get off of our pedestals, take time out of our lives, whatever it is, sacrifice our own well-being and our own security for others. You know, I don't, I no longer see, look out here and I, I don't see color, I don't see male, female, I don't, I, don't, I don't see people, what you're wearing, what you look like, what you smell like. I see a room full of spirits that need encouragement on which path to take in life. And uh, that's just what God has, has led me to, to realize. And that Passion Conference, basically what it did, it, it gave me a definition to where my, my, my desire to do God's will. That, that energy I have, everybody sees me running around, smiling, telling everybody I love them, hugging everybody. That's what that is, it's passion. That's what, it's what Jesus gave me. And he said, don't be scared. Don't be afraid to tell others about it. You know, he promised, he, he, he gave me his Holy Spirit to be with me till, till his return. So don't ever think that you, how, can, how am I qualified to do it? How am I going to get the strength or the power to do it? Because in Acts 1.8, he says that I'm going to empower you with my spirit. So that means we're the most powerful beings in the universe. But we have to humble ourselves and love God by serving other people so that they can discover the same treasure that we have. And I learned that through passion. It was an amazing experience. I don't think all of our stories added together could really do it any justice unless you went yourself to experience it. Because like I say, there's so many of the world's best Christian speakers there, and, and the main focus was giving us passion about doing the will of God and loving others by serving them. You know, we have a treasure. We, we know we're set for eternity. Let's share that treasure with other people by our actions. So that's what I learned. I'm Ken Knight. Um, we have four more people here than we had the first service. So if I talk the way I did the first, I'm going to be putting you guys to bed tonight. Um, so I'm going to try to cut it down. But I want to give you an overview as to what Passion was. Passion is a conference uh, for 20-somethings, uh, the guys who are coming straight out of high school, uh, who are in college or who have recently graduated and are, I guess, starting their careers or their families or stuff of that nature. Um, and it was held in Atlanta uh, the first week of uh, January. We actually went down on January 1st. It was a good way of us starting the new year, uh, a good way to actually resolve some of the resolutions is starting off on the right foot uh we held the conference was held in um i guess the basketball uh, court that the atlanta uh, hawks play at and then also across the street in the georgia world congress center we had uh was it twenty-two thousand total and i've been to basketball games guys and those stadiums are never full you don't believe me, go to a Bobcats game. Um, <clears throat> but you'll, we showed up, and we got there late the first night, and we were up in the nosebleeds, and there wasn't an empty seat in the entire place. And you're thinking, man, this is awesome. But then actually across the road at the World Congress Center, there's another 6,000 people in there. Um, and to describe this to you is our age group is this lost generation per se. Uh, you know, we've got the little guys who are upstairs, and they are getting fed, and they're getting fed a lot. And then you move up, and they get older, and the youth. And, yeah, everything is a tight-knit group. You, those guys are learning about God. You go to college, and the, the path is as broad as it is long, and there's no accountability. You're out on your own. 
or you graduate and you come back and you're kind of in this weird age. You're not 45 and you got three kids and you're not 18. You're, you know, graduating from high school. You, you don't have this, this group. Well, this was a really good opportunity for us to have an accountability group. Uh, we went and honestly, I told, I was telling Lynn a couple weeks before, I wasn't that pumped about it because I've been to Christian concerts and I've been to hear all these speakers growing up. And um, they, there's always these, uh, I guess, kind of self-promoters. Uh, but the type of speakers that we had here and the types of bands, it was not to, oh, feed you and to, hey, if you want, there's, our CDs are out front or our books are out front, go and buy those. To give you an example, as uh, Francis Chan was talking, and we actually sprinted from... Uh, from the Coliseum over to the World Congress Center because we were so excited. Matter of fact, Emily runs like a 4-2, so she got us all. We, we were up in like in the third row. It was great seats, and we were like, all right, you know, Francis Chan's going to light us on fire. But that's, and he did. But at the end, as opposed to sitting there trying to get this self-glory, he asked us to get into small groups and to just pray for boldness to go out and spread God's word to people who don't know. And when you, can't, when you broke out of prayer... He wasn't there. He wasn't waiting for you to applause him and how good he is as a speaker. He just wanted for us to just truly just look at God and just worship him. But the thing that, that I guess is the big thing, and it's, it's not necessarily for me that passion did because it's been passion. We're in a Bible study right now that's uh, studying one of David Platt's books. And, uh, and I, I drive a lot, so uh, while I'm on the road, I'm constantly, I'm, I'm so tired of listening to music. So I'll try to listen to speakers, and I don't know if it's 106.9 or 94.1 or something of that nature, but one of their big things is when, um, as opposed to having a New Year's resolution, they have a, uh, a, a one word that's kind of supposed to express the way you want this next year to be. And mine I kind of thought was, I'm, mine's going to be serve. And I have, a, I guess, a big problem uh, in the fact that I am, uh, I won't, I won't say selfish. It is selfish. I'm, I'm, I've got more responsibility on my shoulders than I've ever had in my entire life. Um, my wife's a stay-at-home mom, so I'm providing the sole income for our home. Uh, I'm the pro- provider for myself, for her, uh, for our daughter, for the next one that's coming, whatever it's going to be. And uh, it's, it's a lot of responsibility, so I'm constantly just sitting here thinking, oh, you know, how can I make more money? How can I do this? And uh, my thing has just been, Ken, you've got to put that to the side because the job, the house, the car, none of that's going to matter. And the best way you can actually be a husband, be a father, you know, be a son to your parents or what have you is to actually serve God. And the only way I can serve God is not by sitting here and serving myself. It's not, it's not the fact that I can sit here and say, I'm, I'm really nervous, and I don't want to go out and spread God's word because I don't know the Bible up, you know, front and back. No, I don't know if any of us do, but God will will equip us to go out and to spread His word. And I guess that's my big thing is for me personally, and I'm sure a lot of you guys are the same way. Quit trying to rely on yourself. God's going to equip you, and that's this one of the things that passion helped open up for me is it's not about you, Ken. Quit making it about you. Let God do the work and, and give him the glory for it. So I guess to wrap it up, we're not going to be, it never says in the Bible, Ken, or you serve yourself. It never says that. It always says serve me and serve others. So, But I want to thank you guys for giving us the opportunity uh, to go. And, and some of you are thinking, I don't even know what you're talking about. I just showed up today and they, these young guys were talking. But the fact is that, 
is that this actually was pretty expensive in the church front of the bill for us to go. And, uh, and we did a fundraiser ahead of time, but we still are going to do another fundraiser because we, we haven't paid back our debt. And uh, so if you guys have the, you have given us the opportunity to go, and I guess we are still needing more funds. So if you guys have the opportunity, please, we'll be setting baskets up in the back. But uh, I just want to thank you for not only giving us the financial opportunity to go, but also for praying for us. Because these guys, you know, I knew some of them, actually half of them are family. Um, <laughs> now all of them are. Um, but it's been a great accountability group. And if you're in the age group that we are, man, we need to get together because we need to quit being these stragglers and we need to be a, a, a group together. And I don't mean just our age groups. Like, I don't want to talk to you if you're not my age. But this is a... a <laughs> this is... This, this, this is a, uh, our age group is, is a very hard time, and I'm telling you from experience, it's, it, it's like the church as a whole, you start off and you're a kid, and next thing you know, you're, you're graduating high school, and then you don't show up into the church until you're 35. So we've got to hold each other accountable to not only be here, but to just really go out and spread God's word, because that is what the only thing we're called to do. So I appreciate it, guys. Uh, we, we have gone over some by what may be our schedule, but do you realize our schedules may not be God's schedule? And, and right now, one of the most important things that could possibly happen today is what we're going to take time to do. I'm going to ask all of our young adults who are going to come back and, and be up here at the front. And as the band plays, uh, first of all, uh, first part of the invitation is simply this. We've talked about loving God by loving others. That starts by you accepting God's love to begin with, by you accepting the fact that Christ paid the full penalty for your sin on the cross. And your only hope, your only chance is by trusting Christ as your Savior. If you've never done that, today would be a great day to do it. Some of these young adults will love to help talk to you and share with you what it means to receive Christ as Savior. So uh, I want to invite you to do that if you've not done that. I want to also invite all the rest of us that already know Christ as Savior to evaluate exactly how good are we loving God by loving others. You know, where would you rate yourself in that? Do we need to, probably all of us would say, I need to be doing more trying to love others and reach others, and by doing so, showing how much I love God. So maybe God will speak to your heart, and you need to deal with that in your own life uh, as the band plays in just a moment, and say that, that you realize you need to be uh, doing more than you're doing to love others uh, and to love and to love God. I'm gonna pray, and uh, after I pray, the band's gonna play. Uh, maybe you feel led to to come and uh, and ask one of these young adults to pray for you. Uh, you may be a young adult yourself, and you just feel comfortable with these guys uh, coming up and asking them to pray for you. Or you may be someone who wants to come up and pray for them. Because they made some special commitments and things like that as they were gone at Passion. And maybe you'll come up and just pray for them. We invite you to do that, to come up and, and just spend a moment with, uh, with one or two, three of these, all of them, whatever, and, uh, and, and pray with them if God leads you to do so. Most importantly, though, do you know Christ is your Savior? Do you know, have you accepted the love of God that He sent for you? And then if you have, you need to be about loving others and loving Him. Okay? Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we do thank you for the amazing way you proved to us your love by sending your son to die on a cross. 
Uh, Father, I pray if there's anyone here that has never accepted that love, that you would help them to do that right now by admitting to you that they're a sinner. They can't save themselves. And by trusting completely in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, but understanding that they are not saved by works, because if they could be saved by their own works or own goodness, they'd boast about it. But we're only saved by grace through the faith that you give us in your Son. Father, if there's anyone here that needs that today, help them to come. For the rest of us that already know Christ, God, help us to evaluate right now our lives and see if we would not all have to admit we need to love you better by loving others more. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So band plays, we invite you to come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at And for more information, find us on the web at day3church.com.